0: Coming up on today's WAC podcast, we have two brand new schools in the Western Athletic Conference, Tarleton State and Dixie State. We'll talk with WAC Commissioner Jeff Hurd about the two new additions, plus when can we expect to have sports going in the NCAA, we will also talk to Rachel Hill who has some news of her own as she's heading to the bubble in Orlando, and we'll have her interview with Kate Meckles, the fourth-round pick of the Chicago White Sox, who was a pitcher at Grand Canyon University. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast. Just a phenomenal game. Gonzalez swings and he crushes it. Left center field.
1: Warning track. Oh, Goodbye.
2: Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now here's your host, Eric
0: Danner. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. My name is Eric Danner along with Rachel Hill And it's uh, hard to believe, Rachel, it's the end of June, beginning of July already, which means uh, hopefully if, if things work out, uh, we're, we're going to have uh, sports to talk about here in, a, in a, about a month and a half or so.
3: I know it's honestly crazy I was looking at an email this morning and I was like okay so this was from June 4th and I was like what's today's date I feel like it should be the 15th not the 29th (laughs) or the 30th you know what I mean I'm just like how is this even possible this month has completely flown by and I cannot wait for sports to get started up in the next coming weeks
0: yeah and we're going to have Commissioner Jeff Hurd on in our next segment so Maybe we can get uh, a few more answers, although I, I, I know everybody's kind of in the same kind of holding pattern, you know, just uh, hoping for the best, but to see what uh, what the plan might be for when sports might get started again, at least in uh, in college sports and in the WAC.
3: I feel like they're all kind of watching the professionals. And if things go well, then maybe, you know, things will move forward. But if things go bad, you know, for the MLS or NBA, then there might be an extra pause there of what ends up happening this fall.
0: Yeah, and and you're going to be knee-deep in that. We'll get to that in just a minute, Rach. But uh, first off, we want to welcome our two newest members to the Western Athletic Conference, Dixie State University and Tarleton State University. They both become official members of the WAC this week, July 1st, and we couldn't be happier about it.
3: I uh, yeah, I'm so excited. I've heard great things about both of their athletic departments. I've heard great things about all the people, the athletes. Uh, I'm excited to sit down and you know get to know all of them and uh, welcome them into the WAC as well.
0: And these both of these schools will be transitioning from Division Two. Uh, Dixie State coming out of the RMAC, Tarleton State out of the Lone Star, both Division Two. Uh, but the two members that you look at that transition from Division Two, Grand Canyon and California Baptist both did the same thing. And and look at their success that they've had, especially early on in in that transition. I know both these schools would like to have that kind of success.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Grand Canyon and CBU both have become powerhouses here in the WAC, right? So you look at them and you hope that you can just have the same exact success moving forward with your universities. And I think that's what a lot of universities also look at the WAC, and they see that that transition was good for that university. So uh, I think both schools are going to be really excited, and I mean, I'm excited to watch them play as well.
0: And we had news this past week that baseball will be back. It uh, was kind of back and forth for quite some time there. They're going to do a 60-game schedule starting July 23rd, and that, that's exciting for one. Uh, for two, uh, I saw, among others, uh, Daniel Jet Johnson, the former New Mexico State star who uh, was a WAC player of the year. He has made the Cleveland Indians what they're calling a working roster, which is 40 players, uh, and then they'll have another 15 at an alternate site. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Daniel can make the big league roster, and uh, just excited to see baseball back.
3: Yeah, me too. You know, I honestly wasn't sure if it was going to come back. You know, I think just like a lot of people, we were all kind of like, okay, maybe and then the players weren't getting along. It was just like a whole giant thing. Although, Eric, I do have a question for you. Yeah. Now that they're lowering the amount of games, do you think I know players have complained for a long time that it was so many games in a regular season? Do you think after all of this is over? Do you think they are going to lower the amount of games?
0: it it depends i think on how the covid virus uh moving forward if it's if it's super dangerous I, I could see that sticking to a smaller schedule if if there's a health risk involved for the next few years so if dr fauci creates a vaccine or somebody creates a vaccine for it i think we will see sports hopefully returning to normal baseball is a sport that has a lot of tradition and a lot of uh, statistics that are hallowed on a 162 game schedule and also those owners get a lot of money for those 162 <laughs> games and having fans in the seats and tv contracts and f- players like getting paid for 162 games because that means more money in their pockets. so i think if at all possible they'd like to go back to a normal 162 game schedule now it'll be interesting to see if there's anything they experiment with during this time, during the, the 60 games, you know, because there's always talk that baseball's too long, you know, without a clock, you know, there's too many pitching changes. Are they going to limit some of that? Are they going to, uh, you know, there, there's talk of using a, uh, a a computer, you know, instead of a, a home plate umpire. Of course, the umpires wouldn't like that, but th- there's different things that, that maybe could speed the game up a little bit that could be interesting to see moving forward, and I know – both you and I will, will be just excited to watch a competition in, in a few weeks here.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I I know Dr. Fauci said end of this year, beginning of 2021 that he was hoping there would be a vaccine. So I, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see it, but I'm just ready for sports to come back. I think like everybody else, we're like, okay, let's get it rolling. Like, let's see what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And we saw Nick Gonzalez this past week visit Pittsburgh and sign his new contract. And, He he had a uniform with the number 20 on it. I assume it's because he was their top draft pick in 2020. I I don't know if that'll be his number moving forward, but uh, he got to tour the stadium there in Pittsburgh and very excited for Nick, who who you've had on the uh, Whack All Access show a number of times now.
3: A number of times, yeah. When I saw the number 20, I thought that too. I was like, I don't think this would be his number just because we've asked him what number he would like, but the videos that they had were so cool they have one that's like almost a pano where it like goes over the entire stadium and you can see like the backdrop or the city in the backdrop the whole video is so cool so if you haven't had a chance to check it out definitely go check out nick's uh twitter page i know he has it on there it looks so cool i'm so happy for him
0: yeah we, and we'll be following him along i don't believe he's he's going to be on that uh 40 man roster that they just talked about like daniel johnson I'm not sure exactly where nick goes exactly from here I know they probably want to have him working out for the Pirates and maybe he goes to Phoenix or or maybe he goes to Florida I'm not sure but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with his uh, immediate career moving forward another guy to keep an eye on Cade Meckles who was the fourth round pick of the Chicago White Sox from Grand Canyon you had him on whack all access this past week and, and that was quite an interview right? I, I think went for about 15 minutes or so and and Cade was uh, very forthcoming in, in what he has going on.
3: Yeah, he was awesome. Honestly, I love when players open up. I know that there's sometimes you get in front of a camera and you shut down a little bit. I mean, I think we all kind of do that. But Cade was incredible. He was such a great interview. He was so open and honest about his experience. You know, he just had Tommy John surgery, and he thought there was no way that he was going to get drafted. Uh, that was his goal. He had got drafted to, uh, a year prior, ended up returning back to Green Canyon. And so for him to have that entire experience, I mean, his parents almost didn't even come down for it. So like, could you imagine if you had a, had got drafted and your parents weren't even there and you were just <laughs> hanging out with your friends or like the nerves around it? He was like, I'm just going to go outside. And he then got the call, even though he was on the putting agreement of the house they rented. So, you know, just like all of those fun little like tidbits and for him to end up getting drafted by the White Sox, it's, it's such an incredible story. And I'm so happy for him. He was an incredible interview.
0: And he just had the Tommy John surgery not too long ago and early in the interview, he holds his, his arm up that he has the the brace on his arm. Uh, What, what did he say about that? Does he expect to be out for about a year or so? Is that, is that still the recovery time from Tommy John surgery?
3: Yeah. So I know he's doing PT all of the time. um, And it's just kind of like a waiting game. He's assuming he's going to stay in the Phoenix area uh, just because that's where the white Sox also train. So Ah, uh, he's not really sure where he's going to end up, but he's just excited for the opportunity, and he's willing to go wherever he needs to.
0: We also saw some news this week, uh, not um, terribly, you know, surprising, I guess, given given the circumstances with what athletic departments are going to be facing uh, from here on forward, especially with uh, the COVID virus and uh, what what it might do to enrollment at at schools, that type of thing. But Chicago State announcing that they are dropping their baseball program uh, this upcoming year, and they will add men's soccer starting in 2021. So some changes there at Chicago State. I I know their baseball players uh, certainly – uh, disappointed by that news, but uh, they will be adding men's soccer uh, the the following year. So, uh, Chicago State uh, moving forward from this, and and we wish the best for all those uh, baseball players who will now be transferring elsewhere.
3: So, I guess Eric, my question is, and I'm assuming that they have an automatic right to start playing. If a school drops a program and you decide to transfer, you can go into the like,
0: yeah, next yeah, you go into the portal eligible? and you would be eligible. Yeah, the next year.
3: Okay. I figured that was the case, but sometimes I feel like I never know with the transfer rules.
0: Right. And with baseball, I mean, there's not quite as many scholarships per capita as maybe some other sports, too. So uh, and with, you know, the uh, draft not having as many players leaving. So there is kind of a little bit of a logjam there in terms of the number of baseball players we might be seeing. I read an article recently, Rachel, I don't know where I saw it online, but uh, that college baseball could see a real renaissance uh, coming up in the next few years so because we're going to see some cutbacks in minor league baseball so not as many opportunities for uh, players coming out of high school to play professionally going to see probably more kids going to college and probably the level of players you know that would have been playing professionally now playing in college will will raise that level up maybe not like you know division men's basketball men's or in uh, football are both you know kind of considered the highest. Uh, right now in collegiate sports, but we could see baseball approaching that in the in the next few years.
3: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And personally, I mean, I think you should go to college, you're handing these kids so much money, and you're at such a young age that if you get signed to the majors, like I feel like you should go to college, you should get that experience. It's the education portion of it, too. I mean, that's invaluable. So it will be really interesting to see if that theory comes true.
0: Yeah, because when, you know, when you're 18 years old, if you go uh, straight to the pros and you, and you go to Class A ball or Class uh, even Double A, and you're on these in these bus leagues and you're riding all over the place, and it's your job now. You, you don't have that buffer of going to college and, and kind of figuring out what you want to do and kind of who you are as a person. All of a sudden, you're you're playing baseball every day as a job rather than as a sport necessarily so yeah that'll be interesting to see how that turns out in the next few years uh, a guy we uh, got to know a little bit a few years ago jamario jones uh whack player of the year in men's basketball named third team all g league this past week he played for the wisconsin herd and uh not a surprise to us uh, rachel and, and i think we'll, we'll see jamario At some point, we saw him play in the NBA a little bit last year. Uh, I I think he's a guy who could land on a team and be one of these uh, Dennis Rodman types, perhaps, um, in the next couple of years.
3: Yeah, I I looked at his stats, and he had 500-plus rebounds and 150-plus assists. And knowing Jamario and watching him play in the WAC, that does not surprise me at all. He was the only player in the G League to do so. And then he was first in rebounds with 504. So. Again, it doesn't surprise me at all seeing those stats, and congratulations to him. I'm sure we're going to see him playing in the NBA here probably sooner rather <laughs> than later if I had to take a guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the NBA will be back uh, the end of July of, as they'll be starting in the bubble, as will the MLS. It's going to be starting July 8th at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex. And, Rachel, you, you have, a, a, I guess, a side gig, we could call it, with the Colorado Rapids, and and you're going to have an opportunity to go with the team to orlando into that bubble so congratulations on that well well deserved opportunity there but uh, you got to be pretty excited nervous all kinds of emotions i would imagine as you head to orlando next week
3: yeah well thank you eric that means a lot uh it's all the sorts of emotions right you know i could be gone for three weeks to possibly six weeks depending on how well the rapids do so packing for that that's like nearly impossible and being in the broadcasting world, it's like almost a sin to wear the same outfit twice <laughs> on camera. So I'm like, I don't even know how to pack for this. And then it also being, you know, it's going to feel like 105 degrees with the humidity out there. And yeah. Like I, it, How do you dress like for that heat and being outside? Uh, I'm really excited, though, for the opportunity. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully I'm going to get to meet a lot of people too. And hopefully the Rapids do well and they continue on. A, it's funny because my boyfriend is a sporting Kansas City fan. So they're in the <laughs> same group as the Rapids. And I'm like, you better be rooting for the Rapids on that game day. Yeah. Like <laughs> That must be a must. So I'm really excited for the opportunity uh, and just to go down there into the bubble. You know, I've been getting tested. I'm going to continue to get tested the entire time we're down there. So. That's kind of its own experience right there, but it's going to be fun. We leave on Sunday, actually. So on the July 5th, we'll head down to Orlando and enter into the bubble for a few weeks.
0: And those COVID tests, we've all seen them and maybe a lot of our listeners have had them. Doesn't look like a lot of fun, Rach
3: no and so i didn't get the one that goes all the way up there i've you know i've seen those videos where it goes as people say touching the brain but mine has just gone up into like the main part of the nasal cavity and they like swivel around your in your nose and i mean your eyes definitely water but it's not like that burning sensation i've heard about uh and then i also got the antibody test done as well and so i haven't had covid in the past i just didn't know it um so that was great news to hear. And then I don't have it now either. So oh, let's hope great. it just kind of stays that way for the rest of this time.
0: Now, what what kind of restrictions will there be with you as far as once you're there? Are, are you uh, basically locked into your hotel room and, and you can go to the soccer field when they're playing? Or, you know, are you can going to have uh, restaurants around that you can go to. How, how do they figure out to, to keep everyone safe, I guess, and keep everyone's uh, risk of getting exposed down to a minimum? What are some of the... The rules that you have to follow there.
3: Yeah. So at the hotel we're staying at, we're able to move around. And those Disney hotels, they're almost like a Vegas casino, right? right. Like there's so many things to do in the hotel. So the actual hotel will be locked down. There's going to be security everywhere, not allowing you to leave unless you're leaving to go to the complex. uh But yeah, they've told us that the gyms will be open, the pool will be open. Um, when we first get there, so we'll immediately land, we'll go um, check into our rooms, and then we immediately go to get tested. And we're not allowed to leave our rooms until we get tested. Mm. So that can take up to 12 hours. Um, But then we're getting tested every other day. So because of that, I feel like they're trying to open it up. They're trying not to make this a miserable experience for everybody, you know, just being stuck in your room. So uh, restrictions, I'm not sure about restaurants, uh, but I know we're allowed to go to the gym. We're allowed to go to the pool. We're allowed to mingle throughout the hotel. Um, Masks are required everywhere we go. And then I'm not sure about gloves. I've heard kind of back and forth just reading like news articles from people, uh, but gloves may be required as well.
0: Wow. And no Disney World, no uh, Universal
3: yeah no i'm not gonna be riding any rides or taking any (laughs) selfies um, at the beach or anything so it'll be um pretty shut down for the most part i would say you know a lot of people are like oh my gosh you'll be able to go like watch the nba once that starts up but uh they've said you know there's no like cross um crossing any uh pro leagues you know they are the nba will be in their bubble mls will be in their bubble and that'll be that
0: yeah and we'll, we'll still have you on the podcast here uh during that time, actually, we're going to take a couple weeks off, probably, uh, as we hopefully are, are getting ready for the season, and and there might be an opportunity, perhaps, for you to to catch up with some old uh, whack uh, soccer players while you're there in the bubble.
3: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, I would love to sit down and talk to some of them. I'm not sure the rules are kind of always changing. It's a right, very fluid right. situation, I would say. So I'm not sure if we'll have access to those players. But if we do, I will definitely try to be bringing the whack some content from down in the bubble.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Rachel, we wish you the best there. And uh, we're going to be coming up in our next segment. Maybe we'll get some more answers to some more questions. We're going to talk to WAC Commissioner Jeff Hurd. You're listening to the WAC Podcast.
3: We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires,
0: Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast, brought to you by Hercules Tires. Eric Danner, along with Rachel V. Hill, and we're now joined by the Commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, Jeff Hurd. Jeff, welcome back to the show. An exciting week for the WAC as we have two new members coming in and Dixie State and Tarleton State joining on July 1st. I know they've been looking forward to this for a long time. We've had both Juan Reesman and Jason Booth on the show and they're both super excited to be joining the WAC. And I imagine you're super excited to be having them in the WAC. I am. It's
1: been a you know it's been a long process since they accepted the uh, invitation to join the conference. Uh, Dixie like m- more than uh, more than a year ago, and in, in Tarleton last September, it just seems like that time just kind of creeps along until they become official members. But very happy that uh, July one is coming this week, and very happy to have both of them in the conference. Yeah.
3: Jeff, before I worked in the conference, I always thought the process of how you got schools in here was really interesting. So is it more of you so reaching out? Is it more schools reaching out to you? What's like your go-to for getting universities to join?
1: Well, I don't think there's any, there's not, you can't paint every situation with the same brush to use a cliche. Everything's different. Um, uh, Dixie State came as a result of, of some input that I received from a former president in the conference. and. And we made the contact with them and it took a couple of visits to the to the um, campus to uh, one that I took by myself, one that, that I took with one of our presidents. And uh, then, you know, several conversations. Ultimately, the, the invitation was was given to them and, and they and they took it or, or accepted, it, I guess, is a better way to put it. Tarleton was a different case that that was a that actually evolved over about a two to three year period where. I made a couple of visits to that campus based on some really of at that time, just to hope that maybe they they might be interested in joining the conference that came recommended from one of our former athletics directors. So over a couple of years that that evolved and, and really what happened there is that ultimately uh, after the second visit, the president at the time decided that wasn't a, the timing wasn't good for Tarleton to to make the jump and make a jump to the whack. And then uh, a few months later, or maybe six months later, there was a change in the presidency there, and the new president that came in gave me a call and uh, expressed interest in the conference and that was that's what led to uh, you know Tarleton's uh, eventual appearance before our board of directors and the invitation was offered and and accepted uh, I believe it was last last September.
0: I think Rachel brings up a good point there, Jeff. Maybe people don't realize all the things that go into adding a new member to the conference, it's just not nece- just necessarily you going in and saying, you're in, let's <laughs> go. It, it takes, a, you have to get buy-in from, from the existing schools and the presidents and the athletic directors.
1: Well, you really do, Eric, and it's, you know, you wish it was as simple as making a phone call and saying, and then have them say yes or no, but it really isn't, and, and usually it evolves over a, a fairly lengthy period of time for a number of reasons. and. You know, there's a lot involved, whether an institution is leaving a conference that it's in or whether it's making a transition from one division to another. Uh, personnel changes. Uh, our board members uh, change. Um, you know, athletic, athletics directors change over time. And so circumstances change. And sometimes that works to your advantage and sometimes it doesn't. But it does take a, uh, you know, extended period of time, regardless of whether it eventually ends up uh, in a positive sense, or or in, or not, they not so much.
3: Now, looking at Tarleton and Dixie, what are some uh, attributions that you really like from both universities?
1: Well, I think uh, you know absolutely both of them will be competitive. You know, right off the bat, much like uh, you know, Grand Canyon was, California Baptist was. Uh, they will certainly be competitive, but there also there is a learning curve, uh, if you will, a competitive learning learning curve in divisions. So it will take some time for them to be consistently competitive in, in you know, the sports across the board before they can consistently compete for a championship. But they'll definitely be competitive, and, and they will win their more than their share in the conference. But to answer the question specifically, overall, they're just very good institutions. They, they're both growing um, in, in both their athletics programs and, and with the respective university campuses uh they're in growing communities uh they are uh, in both cases relatively close to larger uh, metropolitan areas in, in tarleton's case close to fort worth in uh, dixie's case close to las vegas and um, also creates a national uh, a natural travel partner for utah valley so uh and they, and they have well-rounded athletics programs and and they have strong academic programs also so you know they're, they're just both in that situation that many of our institutions have been in or still still are in they're growing uh and so they're you know the upside uh for both institutions is 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 extremely high and uh, as we look back on this maybe 10 years from now uh we'll look back at it and and see that you know what a good addition they really were to to the conference
0: well jeff uh, we're talking to you on zoom here so If people are listening, uh, they're hearing it on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud. If they're watching it, it's on YouTube or on Facebook, and you have the nice background. Uh, You become uh, very astute at these Zoom calls. And I assume there's been a ton of these, Jeff, as we are leading up into August when we would normally have our sports starting. Can you give us an update? We're recording this on June 29th. What what is the uh, fall season looking like, or, or do you have a better idea than when we talked to you a few months ago?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Eric. I, I wish I could answer that question uh, d- definitively and, and with confidence that what I was saying was was uh, actually what was going to happen. But it's still very much a, a fluid situation. Uh, and you're right about the, the the virtual conferences or the video calls that we have. Uh, CCA, which is the Collegiate Commissioners Association, and the group uh, that I belong to, we have we have three calls a week. And uh, it, over you know various topics, but obviously the, the COVID situation rises to the top. One of those calls that we have is with the, the NCA leadership group that often includes Dr. Brian Hainline, who's the chief medical officer for the NCA. so we get updates from him uh, each week. And, but each week is different. It, it's fluid. Uh, each call is different. And you know, just today the, there was an announcement um, as you know, from the MAC, which is a, a conference out east that they have delayed the, their, their spring or excuse me, their fall sports competition, at least until September 11th. Uh, there could be more coming down the, you know, coming down the pike, but we just don't know. It's, uh, uh, you know, you get tired of saying the same thing, but it really is a, a situation that, that basically changes almost day to day, but certainly week to week.
3: I know we put together a committee of uh, trainers, doctors, everybody that kind of is giving a background idea to what possibly could happen this fall, this spring. What was the idea behind this committee?
1: Well, the the primary focus of the committee and it's certainly not the only focus, but the primary one is to try Mm -hmm. to develop a minimum set of standards that our institutions have to meet uh, in order to uh, have competition Beginning in the fall, not only from a student athlete standpoint, but for all the other associ- you know, associated personnel that goes along with having competition, be that the game officials or the administrators involved, uh, the operational people involved. And so we're trying to get to the point uh, where when when we start conference competition, and also it carries over to non conference, but, but specifically to the conference competition, that when school A travels to school B, it knows exactly what it has to, to do to do and what it can expect to be provided once they get to that other site in order to, to ensure as much as possible the safety, and this is primary, the safety of the student athletes uh, as, they, as they go around the conference.
0: Jeff, you mentioned the, the work that you're doing with the CCA, the Conference Commissioners Association. I know the NCAA has also been obviously in touch with a lot of schools. Uh, commissioners like yourself in terms of what they are doing and and giving everyone as much information as possible to make the best decisions as we head into August and September. What kind of conversations have you had with the NCAA in the last few weeks?
1: Well, a lot of it, Eric, goes, uh, a lot of it involves uh, trying to identify contingency plans. And and you start basically with the, the NCAA championships themselves and when they're currently scheduled. Um, maybe what some alternatives could be, as we as we would as we uh, go down the road, whether that means a delay in the start of the seasons, or whether that means uh, what if the seasons start and then then there's a a, uh, a delay that occurs, say after a month of play. Um, you know, what's a, what are the minimum standards for number of contests that need to be played for uh, consideration for the eventual uh, NCAA championships that that, that come. Uh, do those championships need to be delayed? Do they need to be pushed forward? And as you can imagine, uh, we look at it from a from a conference standpoint, but from an NCA standpoint, they're looking at it from three different divisions that all are involved in this. And, and one of the conversations that we just we had recently, uh, if you estimate the number of, of student athletes involved in fall championships in divisions one, two, and three, it's well into the you know thirty five to forty thousand area for the number of student athletes participating in in all the the fall sports and uh, so that's a large large uh, challenge from an nCA standpoint to try to um, you know identify contingency plans to try to identify um, you know what has to be done from a site selection standpoint what can be done from a um, number of sites that have to be used. Can they be reduced? Do they need to be, uh, does the field, do the fields need to be reduced? Uh, and those are all questions that are all speculative at this point, but they're ones that you cannot wait until maybe September 1 or September 15 or whatever that date might be to uh, to put something into, into place. So you know, you, th- these are all plans that you hope you don't have to use, but they're ones that are, ne- are necessary And we're following that same uh, protocol from a conference standpoint.
3: Jeff, I know you're a big baseball man, and baseball obviously announcing its return, MLS returning, NBA planning to return as well. What are you, from a commissioner standpoint, going to be looking at to see how these plans kind of go forward?
1: That's a really good question. And I think the the simplest answer I can give, well, I'm going to give you two of them. One is is that if you're announcing plans to return, is different than actually returning. And I don't mean that to to be facetious. I mean that that's that's really, you know, they're planning to return, but I don't think they even know, you know, what the environment's going to be um, at the end of July or towards the end of July when when they're supposed to start. But if you recall back to March, uh, when when, uh, collegiate basketball was shut down, the impetus for that was really the announcement by the NBA that it was shutting down its season. And that led to conferences uh, having to make very quick decisions and, and ultimately doing the same thing. So, what we'll be looking at, not just the WAC, but I think every conference will be doing this, is what, what develops here in the next three weeks. And as they uh, begin the start of their season, what protocols do they have in place? Um, you know, it, it's the difference between professional and colleges. Is, is obvious, and that they are—they have a very controlled environment, and they have the resources to be able to do that. From an NCA standpoint, and a college standpoint, we're not only really looking at at the start of intercollegiate athletics, but university presidents are looking at how do they open their campuses, and how do they how do they handle their general student body, uh, and and how does that impact athletics? Uh, so there's a number of things that are involved there, but primarily, you know, we're going to, we're going to look at the, at the pros and, and, and see what happens. And and as they start playing, um, it'll, it'll be a controlled environment. We know that. Uh, we don't expect that there will be fans at this point. There there may turn out to be a limited number, uh, but we just need to see what they're going to do and how it's going to, what the status of this, of the spread of this virus is at the time that they, that they plan to start right now.
0: Jeff, it's been a, uh... An unbelievable year, uh, first with the COVID, uh, then uh, with the death of George Floyd and the the protests after that. And, and there's been so much going on in our country. We had Lou Hill on from UTRGV last week, and he mentioned that he is part of a, a group there at UTRGV that's going to be uh, pursuing a dialogue on race relations with some of the administration there at UTRGV. Is this something we're looking at doing in the WAC as well?
1: It is Eric. I had a, a sat down with Marlon Edge, our associate commissioner for compliance, uh, last week, and and he has some some very good ideas. He's working with our SAC, our Student Athlete Advisory Committee, to develop recommendations. Uh, those discussions are ongoing, and it's hoped that um, uh, by the end of July, perhaps perhaps even earlier, in the middle of July, when we have our next board uh, video conference, we'll be able to forward some recommendations to our board of directors. For implementation uh, as soon as possible. We are taking it seriously. It's, it's a conversation that needs to be held. And from a conference standpoint, uh, uh, you will see some some initiatives that will take place uh, not too far down the road.
3: Will Marlon kind of be the main contact for these groups?
1: Marlon will be the main contact. He, he will be uh, not only the contact, but the organizer of the groups. Uh, we, we would hope that and we anticipate that our SAC will take the lead role in developing recommendations, uh, but we also will extend that as necessary to as many groups as we can, but that's where we're starting. Uh, we think our student-athletes, uh, you know, have the best view of, of what's happening on their campuses, and, and uh, we we take their recommendations, and we look at, at our history with our SAC. It's, it's, it's played a very a significant role in our conference, and we expect that that will take It'll be the same as we move forward in this regard.
0: We're talking with Jeff Hurd, commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference. And Jeff, uh, Rachel mentioned baseball scheduled to be back at the end of July. Rachel herself is going to be heading to the bubble. We talked about that in our our previous segment uh, with the MLS and the Colorado Rapids. Uh, We also had the baseball draft happen uh, a few weeks ago and Nick Gonzalez from New Mexico State, number seven overall. He was the top non-Power 5 player selected in the MLB draft and the uh, top whack draft pick since uh, 2004. So uh, Rachel mentioned you're a baseball guy, but having seen baseball in a lot of years in the conference here, uh, perhaps uh, whack baseball still a bit underrated with Nick going number seven to the Pirates.
1: Well, it certainly is a, uh, I guess, a, um, a source of pride for the conference to have a player taken in the top 10. And, and I may, I think if I remember correctly, Nick was a, originally a walk-on when he started his college career so that's you know that's a credit to him obviously Uh, I don't know Eric quite honestly that it means the WAC has been underrated or is underrated any more than it would that if we didn't have a player selected you know in the in the first round or even in the first few rounds Uh, but it is a credit uh, to New Mexico State and to WAC baseball in general that we are beginning uh, uh, or continuing to produce those type of individuals that uh, that go on to, you know, what we hope will be a very strong, very long and, and productive uh, professional career. And, you know, it's, we hope that in all sports. Uh, we may not have the same numbers as some larger conferences in, in that area, but it is a source of pride. And it is a, it does tell you that there is, uh, uh, that there are strong, uh, st- strong individuals in the conference and we have some pretty good programs.
3: As a baseball fan, Jeff, I want to know what are your thoughts on the way baseball is trying to come back.
1: Well, uh, you know, I think baseball is doing what it has to do at this particular time. I think we all know that in the professional sports that one of the one of the incentives there does have to do with their with their media deals, and 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 they need to uh, need to get in as much regular season, but also their their postseason competition as possible. Uh, you know, I, I, I think they're handling it the right way, you know, right now. And I, I think the, the labor discord uh, that, that has occurred and is probably will continue to occur to, to some extent between the players and owners has been unfortunate. Uh, but I'm glad to see it uh, ironed out, at least for now. And, you know, I, I, I guess I'm a little bit jealous, too, uh, Rachel, that I, I don't know that we're going to be able to go to sea games uh, in person. So I'm I'm glad you know. On one hand, I'm glad competition apparently will be starting in 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 a few weeks. On the other hand, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed. Not a little bit. I'm a lot disappointed that uh, I may not get to go see the games in person.
0: Jeff, one of the things Rachel and I have talked about the past few weeks, especially, is the importance now of of like a WAC digital network where that might be the only way fans could get to see games. We haven't made that decision yet, but moving forward you know people might not be as as apt to go to games you know with the COVID uh, virus going around especially you know who knows what's going to happen this winter but uh, having those avenues being able to watch games either on your computer or on your TV is is going to be key this year.
1: No, It definitely will be I can see uh, just like from a personal standpoint my, my two dogs and I will probably spending a lot of time in my basement uh, you know watching various sporting events and uh, not just baseball but all the other ones too it's been interesting the last few weeks just to watch the a professional golf uh, tournaments right. being played uh, without the huge you know galleries that go along with it but it's still competition is still still fun to watch and uh, you know I, I think our our digital network uh, will, will be a very good service for our fans It has been through the years and it will continue to be as we go into the fall. but you're right, Eric, I, we don't know We don't know from a professional standpoint whether fans will be in the stands. We don't know from a collegiate standpoint, uh, whether fans will be able to attend games or not. We certainly hope they're able to, but if you look at it from a fan standpoint, I'm sure there will be some hesitation in, in many areas for, uh, you know, to be attend events, uh, where, where, there are, where there are large crowds or when social distancing is not possible. But it's all, it, it relates to the, what we talked about earlier, it's, it's a rapidly, Evolving event, and that the event being the, the intercollegiate athletics in general, along with professional sports, It's very fluid. And what's true today may not be true a week from today. So we hope for the best, and quite frankly, we plan for the, the for the worst case scenario, and we hope we end up at least at least at the worst case and, and somewhere in the middle on that. But uh, you know, we hope when September gets here that everybody is playing and and somehow we were able to uh, focus maybe on competition and not on on the COVID virus.
3: Jeff, as long as I've known you, you've had words of wisdom. I know you did some words of wisdom on the podcast when you were on earlier in this COVID uh, pandemic, but do you have any for us now?
1: The only words of wisdom I have, Rachel, is wear a mask. I don't know how much wisdom that is, but I think it's definitely something that we need to take seriously and uh, you know, when you go outside, if, if we're going to beat this thing, and you know, that's part of it. And whether it's comfortable, uncomfortable, or, or not, uh, you know, I was on a, I had to travel earlier th- or a week ago today, and it was interesting being in an airport, and it's the first time I'd been in one for about three months. Uh, but, you know, masks were required in the airport, masks were required on the airplane, and uh, I would say for the Vast majority of people, they followed the the directions that were given, and I hope that continues to be the case because I believe it's it's an important part and one of the pieces that we all need to take seriously as we try to beat this thing and 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 move forward to somewhat of a of a normal environment.
0: Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for taking some time out. Always good to talk to you. We'll see you, Rachel, and I uh, probably in the office later this week, but. Uh, once again, I know you have a busy schedule, so uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Eric. And Rachel, as you go to uh, Florida this week, or, or soon as you, soon as you get to the airport, make sure you bring your mask and a follow-up mask with you, because they're not going to let
0: you on the airplane unless you have it.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Well do. <laughs> All
0: right. Thank you. Coming up next on the WAC Podcast, we'll have Rachel's interview with Kate Beckles, the Green Canyon pitcher who was taken in the fourth round by the Chicago White Sox. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now,
2: back to the WAC Podcast.
0: Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner reminding you that Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle, whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, Visit HerculesTires.com, and Rachel Hill had a chance to visit with Kate Meckles, the Grand Canyon University pitcher who was the WAC preseason pitcher of the year, recently winning the fourth round of the MLB draft to the Chicago White Sox. Here's her conversation with him.
2: There we go, figured it out.
3: Woohoo, Kate! How are you?
2: Great. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. What's new? Obviously, I know you had surgery, Tommy John surgery. How is that going?
2: Uh, it's going really well, um, I'm seven weeks out right now, um, I'm really close to getting my full range of motion back, uh, the scar is looking way better, um, yeah, it's just, it's starting to go back to life as usual.
3: So what was it like to get a surgery done in the middle of a pandemic, because obviously seven weeks ago we were kind of all in the, this mix, right? Yeah,
2: um, yeah. Honestly, I don't really know what to think of it. Um, it was, it kind of sucked because there was nothing going on. Um, like I, there was no sports to watch. There's nothing to do. Not that I can go do much, anyways. But there's just literally nothing, so I was extremely bored. Um, but I also feel like if baseball was going on, um, that would have drove me nuts. Just because I would have been sitting on the bench watching and cheering my guys on, which would have been, honestly, that would have been better, way better. But um, just the issue to get on the field um, would have drove me nuts. So, yeah, I don't know. Either way, um, not super fun to get TJ.
3: Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. I guess when this all kind of happened for you, what would you say when you were walking off the baseball diamond that day?
2: Um, I was really just hoping for the best. I knew right once I threw that, that last pitch, it was a changeup, um, it just didn't, it didn't feel right. And it was one of those pains where I was like, my season's over kind of thing. Uh, but I was just really hoping for the best as far as like maybe it was just a strain or something like that. But uh, yeah, right once it happened, I knew.
3: The hospital, what was that like? Were your parents able to go when you had surgery? Did you have to get dropped off?
2: No, I had to get dropped off and go through it all, all alone. Um, I had my girlfriend drop me off and then pick me up. Um, so that was awesome. But, yeah, I had to go through it all by myself uh, just because of the whole coronavirus thing. But I'm a big boy. I, I, I managed.
3: You handled yourself.
2: But yeah, I handled myself it's fine.
3: Well, and I, I guess on that exact same day, MLB come out and they announced that they're going to cut the draft from 40 rounds to five rounds. What were your initial thoughts?
2: Uh, I guess I'm going as a free agent. That was my initial thought. Uh, because I just, even even if I didn't have TJ, um, I was like, there's no real room for a senior sign. Uh, just with the five-round draft, I felt like, it was very unrealistic for a senior to go, and then let alone that I have TJ. Um, but then they get the White Sox; they took a chance on me, um, and I'm really blessed and humbled and honored to be a part of that program.
3: So I know you were in the backyard of the parents or the house that you rented, right in the <laughs> Phoenix area, when you got the call. When you first saw it, what was like? What went through your mind?
2: Oh my gosh! <laughs> like I, I don't know. I it's hard to describe. Uh, it, I don't really have any words to describe, like, how excited I was or just anything. Like, just none of the words that I know, at least, um, don't do it very much justice. So. Did you
3: honestly have any idea that this could even be a possibility? I mean, like you said, you thought really nothing was going to happen, but you had the house rented. You had some friends over. Was there a little bit of an inkling?
2: Well, that was – so Quinn, uh, Quinn Cotton um, – He's one of my best friends, um, and we were talking like three weeks before that happened. Um, and he was just saying, just in case your family needs to come down, you need to be around some of the people that you love. So I was like, all right, whatever. Like, it's not going to happen, but whatever. Um, and so my parents ended up coming down, um, thankfully, and, um, the day before, so after watching round one, um. I was telling my dad, I'm like, I just hope they call. Someone calls. Just that's all I ask. I just want, I just want this to be an interesting draft for me, and just have the anticipation, just play with my emotions a little bit. Um, and so they called, and then um, the Mets called both before the draft, and said, just be ready to go. Um, depending on who we take and where you might come into play, and so. Uh, Um, I was thinking fifth round, um, and then I just wanted to, I literally said verbatim, I just want to simulate the fourth round and just get on with the fifth. And right once I walked outside, because I needed to leave the TV, I was getting too stressed, and everyone else was having fun around me but me, so I decided to go outside. And right literally right once I walked outside, the phone rang, and I got everybody back inside, and we watched it happen.
3: I know your parents you said got emotional when you talked to Paul Cora what was Mm -hmm. that like to be able to walk your parents you know I'm sure this is a lifelong dream of theirs too
2: it was well first off it was just awesome that they were even able to come one Um, and then two uh, it meant the world to me that they were even that they were there just because um, it's this whole journey wasn't just what I did like they were huge huge component as to why this even happened in the first place. Um, my dad was my um, little league coach growing up. Um, and he got the key to the high school field. and would throw me batting practice late night. And um, he had the keys to the lights. So we could stay out there as long as we wanted to. Um, my mom worked at the school. So we would sneak into the gym and drop the cages. I know that's hitting, and I'm a pitcher. But I still think it it paid off. Um, and there were a huge reason. Why fell in love with the game in the first place?
3: When you look back at this process, just how crazy is all of this for you? Obviously, I mean, you're talking about hitting. You know, you have to be a good hitter and then pitcher as well, and you make it to the big leagues. So, what's this experience been like for you?
2: Well, I've i came down from cloud nine a little bit. <laughs> um, no, it's it's been it's been really cool. I've been trying to not think about it too much, uh, and get all emotional about it and whatever. Because at the end of the day, I haven't made it yet. I'm still uh, kind of a nobody, I guess. It's like going it's like going from uh, being a high school senior and a stud on the team to uh, a high school freshman where you're getting orders. Um, I see Easy e on there. He was a senior, actually, when I was a freshman at Western. And he was a huge uh, role model to me. And he taught me a lot. Um, But, uh, yeah, basically it's going to be the same kind of process. It's going to be, I'm going to follow in to the older guys um, and just learn and watch and just soak it in and um, hopefully learn from some mistakes that they had um, and just shorten the process and and try and do what I can to scrap and claw and make it to the bigs.
3: So this has been obviously very different from last year's draft, right? You know, 40th round, you go to the Marlins. What made you decide to go back to GCU?
2: Um, I, I felt like there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things that played into, into my decision to come back. Um, I felt like I still had um, stuff on my plate left to do at GCU. Um, I came to GCU to get to a regional. We were a game away. Um, we had our entire pitching staff coming back, and we had Uh, a surplus of pitching coming in so I was like well not that anything's handed to you or guaranteed but I felt like our odds were very much in our favor to go to a regional and maybe even beyond um so there was that aspect of it um going from three schools in three years I didn't really like I kind of wanted to just be established in a program um and along with that um I felt like with my numbers and what I did um, my junior year, I felt like I oh, wasn't treated super fairly in the draft. And so I was like, you know what, if I'm just going to be another guy in a huge, huge organization, I'll just go the next year and I'll be a guy for um, a growing program and a um, and a winning culture, you know what I mean? So um, I was thankful that they took me. It was huge honor. Um, but yeah, I was just, there's, there's still less things that I needed to accomplish.
3: And now obviously I don't think really anybody knows what the upcoming future is going to hold, but for you, have they given you any notice of what the next couple of months could look like? I know with surgery that probably holds things off for a little bit of time for you, but do you have any idea? Are you planning to stay in the Phoenix area?
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Phoenix is my home now. Um, And the White Sox facility is just right down the road from GCU. So I don't really need to pack up and move very far at all. Um, But as far as, like, the next couple months, not really. I mean, with the COVID stuff, they just started, I think the MLB, or they just reached terms of agreement or something like that on um, plan July 1st. Is that right? Is that right?
3: Uh I believe players can return back to camp on July first. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. For, so. Or
3: back to facilities, but yep. Yeah.
2: I haven't heard anything about that as far as whether I'm going or whatnot. I don't. I don't I'm pretty sure it's just the big leaguers. But <laughs> um, other than that, no. They just told me to keep rehabbing at GCU and um, just keep working out and doing all that stuff.
3: Nice. I'm going to see if anybody's asked any questions. If you do have any questions for Cade, please drop them in the comments. We'll make sure to ask him on here. Uh, I guess, Kate, is there anybody that you were really looking forward to going up against in WAC?
2: Um, well, Nick Gonzalez was one. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, he was a, he was a huge, uh, huge name coming out of the Cape. Uh, and just looking at his numbers and keeping tabs on him, just because uh, New Mexico State, um, what he did in Cape was really, really, really cool. Um, and it's just a huge, huge accomplishment what he did. And it really opened my eyes to see just, just how good he really was, like going against the big, the power five schools. Um, I mean, hats off to him. Um, and it's very well deserving where he fell in the draft. Uh, so I was, I was really excited to face him. Um, I was really excited to throw against Baylor. Um, let's see. Yeah, those, those two schools were, Baylor was up next. And then, uh, and then New Mexico State was always fun. They're our biggest rival in the WAC, so just going up against New Mexico State would have been really fun.
3: Andy Stankowitz, did he reach out to you after you were drafted? And if so, what were his uh, words to you?
2: He he did. He uh, he he was one of the first people to call, um, and he was just he was really happy for me. Um, And yeah, I I couldn't. I told him the same thing. I I. I said thank you to him and, um, how grateful I was to be a part of the program. And, uh, so we just, we were just getting kind of sappy with each other, I guess.
3: Oh, I love coach. He's one of the best. Uh, yeah, I guess somebody awesome. did say, at what point in your college career did you realize you could really be great?
2: Uh, at Western Oregon. Definitely. Um, there were two moments, well, Western the whole season. Um, and just kind of looking back on it, like once we were done, um, and, uh, I could kind of reflect that was, that was, um, I was like, Whoa, that was when I realized that maybe I could go be one. Um, and then, um, going through into the WCL, I just kept the, kept going with the success. Um, they used me as a starter and I proved that I could be a starter. Um, I was going up against a lot of D1 talent, Um, and then the next big moment for me was when I got to Skagit, Uh, they had me go to the Sophomore Showcase, and on the way back from the Sophomore Showcase, I had like, I want to say like three scouts, MLB scouts, uh, contact me, and then um, I had like 10 offers on the way home, so... So that those two moments, or I guess it'd be a season, and then one moment where I was like, "Oh wow!" Like I didn't, I had going from no no offers and turning down, getting turned down by like schools like Dixie State, um, UC San Diego, and then having Western say, "Yeah, come be our guy for us," working my way into there, and then shoving, and then continuing it through JUCO. Those were the kind of the two. The two big, uh, big moments for me, I guess.
3: <laughs> that transition to D1, how difficult really is that?
2: Uh, it was, it was very difficult, um, in the sense that I had no clue what it would look like. Um, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I felt like I could have been there out of high school. Um. And numbers and all that kind of stuff would say yes I, I could have but um, it's really hard to, it like my first outing um, in D1 and actually throughout all of them I got I got really nervous um, for every single start I had um, just because I didn't know what to expect really um, and even after pitching in the Cape where I'm playing against some of the best uh, best talent in the in the country you know, so, so, uh, yeah, I just really, it was one of those things where I didn't really know what to expect, sort of thing.
3: I'll finish it off with this question right here for you. Now that you've signed with the White Sox, you know, this entire process, if there's a kid that's watching this and you've gone through the different levels, what would you say to that kid?
2: Say, don't quit. Don't quit. Um, if you're not the guy yet, it doesn't mean you won't be the guy later on. Just keep working. Um, find out what, find out what the, uh, the guy that's better than you does better than you and figure out how you can do that too. You know, it's about putting tools in your tool belt. Um, and so sometimes it's not about working harder. It's about working smarter and just not giving up. Um, people will find a way to send them for weed themselves out. Um, whether it's they get burnt out, um, I don't know, just some dumb example. Maybe they, they uh, get a girlfriend and all their time goes to her. I, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever the reason may be, if there's a reason it's to, to quit and take the easy route, a lot of the time they will. So just don't quit. Stay with it and keep working hard.
3: Awesome, Cade. Well said. Well, I appreciate your time for hopping on with me. Obviously, we wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors, and thanks again, Cade.
2: Awesome, thank you so much, thanks for having me.
3: Thanks to everybody else for hopping on, we do appreciate it, I hope you all are still doing well and staying safe, we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you, Rachel, great interview with Cade, and we wish him well on his recovery from Tommy John surgery. We also want to thank our other guest today, Commissioner Jeff Hurd, in the conversation we had with him, and we want to thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast.
2: Thanks for listening to the WAC podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.